as I said in the thing, I'm going to show it takes about 25 minutes. Not bad. be instructed to identify some surface landmarks on the palmar aspect of the hand. First, the flexoretinaculum or transverse carpal ligament would run between the pisiform bone, which is here, the scaphoid over here, the hook of the hamate there, and the trapezium bone right there. The flexoretinaculum occupies this position. is located distal to the wrist joint itself and between the thenar and hypothenar eminences. The one nerve that passes deep to the flexor retinaculum is the median nerve and just after the median nerve exits from the carpal tunnel it gives off the important recurrent branch of the median nerve which innervates the three muscles of the thenar eminence and lies subcutaneously. Its approximate course would start about here and then curve around and enter the thenar muscles at about this point. There are two arterial arches supplying the hand, the superficial arch and the deep arch. The superficial arch being superficial to the tendons in the palm and the deep arch being deep to the tendons. The superficial arch is supplied mainly by the ulnar artery and travels from the ulnar aspect of the proximal wrist to curve toward the radial side of the hand. The deep arch is mainly supplied by the radial artery and does not extend as far distal as the superficial arch. It swings over toward the ulnar side where it anastomoses with the smaller deep branch of the ulnar artery. The skin has been reflected from the forearm and the palmar aspect of the hand to expose the underlying muscles and tendons. Since many of the muscles which have their action in the hand have their muscle bellies in the forearm, it is worthwhile identifying some of these muscles. Along the lateral aspect, we have the brachioradialis muscle here, inserting on the distal radius. next muscle moving medial is the flexor carpi radialis. This cadaver does not have a palmaris longus muscle. And the muscle on the ulnar or medial side is the flexor carpi ulnaris. On the lateral 
aspect, we see the radial artery here, traveling just lateral to the flexor carpi radialis. Medial to the flexor carpi radialis, we can see the large median nerve with its purple tie. Running beside the flexor carpi ulnaris, we can see the ulnar nerve passing over the hand along with the ulnar artery. Emerging from beneath the brachioradialis muscle, we see the superficial branch of the radial nerve, which is a purely sensory nerve, with its divisions here innervating the dorsolateral hand. We are now looking at the mid-palm. The first structure that you see in the hand, deep to the skin, is the palmar fascia here, which lies superficial to the blood vessels and nerves in the palm. We dissected this previously and now reflect the palmar fascia, noting it is attached to the palmaris brevis muscle here. The thumb is here and the fifth finger over here. These are the muscles of the thenar eminence, the flexor pollicis brevis, the abductor pollicis brevis, and the underlying opponent's pollicis. Here we see the median nerve entering the palm by traveling deep to the flexor retinaculum, which is in this area here. And you can see the ulnar artery crossing here, contributing to the superficial arterial arch. Branching from the arch are the common digital arteries going towards the fingers. When they reach the web spaces, they will divide into proper digital arteries to each side of the fingers. The first tendons you encounter in the mid-palm are the flexor digitorum superficialis tendons. There is one to the third finger, one to the fourth finger, one to the second finger, and to the little finger over here. These tendons will insert on the proximal aspect of the middle phalanges, thereby flexing the proximal interphalangeal joints. is on the medial aspect over here, marked by the purple thread. As it enters the hand, it gives off a deep branch here, which will innervate some of the deeper muscles in the palm. to go over the digits. All the nerve sensory innervation is classically to the little finger and the medial side of the fourth finger on both the palmar and dorsal aspects. The median nerve after traveling through the carpal tunnel will give off its recurrent branch right here, which enters the muscles of the thenar eminence and innervates those muscles. 
function of the thumb is to a large degree dependent upon that nerve, and its subcutaneous location makes it vulnerable to injury. Other branches of the median nerve are sensory to the thumb, the index finger, the third finger, and to the lateral aspect of the fourth finger on the palmar side. Pointing out once again the branches of the median nerve after issues from the flexor retinaculum. This is the recurrent branch of the median nerve. You can see two branches here going towards the thumb. There is a digital branch on the lateral side of the index finger. Another branch here is going to the medial aspect of the index finger and the lateral aspect of the third finger. And then the final branch here is going to the medial aspect of the third finger and the lateral aspect of the fourth finger. Concentrating on the third finger, you can see the tendon of the flexor digitorum superficialis extending into the finger. You may be able to notice the passing of the fibrous tunnel here, which holds the tendon close to the phalanges so that it does not bowstring when the muscle contracts. The tendon of the flexor digitorum superficialis inserts on the proximal end of the middle phalanx. The deeper tendon is the flexor digitorum profundus, which is going to insert on the proximal end of the distal phalanx. You can see the superficial tendon must divide in order to allow the deeper tendon to pass through. This is the superficial tendon on either side, and the profundus tendon is going through it on its way to insert on the distal phalanx. You may be able to appreciate when you hold these nerve trunks out of the way, the small lumbar muscle. This is the most lateral one, which takes its origin from the deep tendon right here. This lumbar muscle will insert on the lateral aspect of the finger, which we will demonstrate later. You can see here the adductor pollicis muscle, which adducts to the thumb. It is not invaded by the median nerve like the other female muscles, but by the deep branch of the ulnar nerve. It is a fan-shaped muscle running from the second and third metacarpal bones to the proximal phalanx of the thumb. If you look carefully, you can see the digital nerve continuing out along the third finger where it is a sensory nerve to the palm aspect of the finger and around the nail bed on the dorsal side. Here we see in the dorsal lateral aspect of the thumb, three tendons to the thumb. The abductor pollicis longus, the extensor pollicis brevis, and the extensor pollicis longus. These 
attendance outline in space called the anatomical stuff box. The supertrigerance of the radial nerve can be seen traveling towards the skin of the dorsolateral hand. This nerve was divided when the skin was removed. See the tendons of the extensor carpiradialis longus and the extensor carpiradialis brevis. The first dorsal interosseous muscle is seen very well. Its action is to abduct the index finger. Beneath it, you can see the dorsal aspect of the adductor pollicis muscle which we saw from the polymer aspect previously. You will note that the coursing through the anatomical stuff box and identified by its pink string is the radial artery, which continues here and will dive down between the two heads of the first dorsal interosseous muscle to become the main blood supply to the deep palmar arterial arch. We can now see more of the dorsal hand and you will note that there are two extensive tendons of the index finger. One from the extensor detorum, the other from the extensor indicis muscle. These tendons insert on the extensor root mechanism, which is located on the extensor aspect of all fingers. When these muscles contract, the finger will extend, but the action of these muscles will not result in full extension of the disciplinophalangeal joint. There are fibers which fan out on either side of the joints, called the lateral bands, which eventually do insert on the distal phalanx. There is a central slip traveling only as far as the middle phalanx. This is a very intricate mechanism. If we turn the hand back a little bit, you may be able to see the first lump of the muscle right here is going to insert into the lateral aspect of the extensor hood as you do both the ulna and the dorsal interosseous muscles. The contraction of these muscles, which pull on this extensor hood mechanism, specifically the lateral bands, will now cause the distal phalanx to extend fully. Returning to the palm, the flexor retinaculum has now been divided here. You can see either side of this dense fiber structure. We have also divided the superficial arterial arch, which is here, so we can better visualize the tendons in the median nerve. See the tendons of the superficial flexor muscle passing through the carpal tunnel. Along with the deep flexors and the long flexor to the thumb, as well as the median nerve, which is right here. We have also divided the fibrous tunnel of the third finger, exposing the flexor tendons. 
now easier to see the tendon of the deep flexor passes through the two slips of the superficial tendon on its way to the distal phalanx. On the fourth finger, the fibrous tunnel is still intact. Snugging the tendons up against the phalanges and preventing bowstring when the fingers are flexed. In order to look the tendons in the hand more clearly, we need to provide some of the muscle bellies in the forearm. First, we provide a flexor carpi radialis and place it aside. Then we divided the belly of the flexor digitorum superficialis, and we are elevating and removing the tendons from the carpal tunnel and directing these tendons distal. Finally, we have divided the muscle belly of the flexor digitorum profundus removing it from the carpal tunnel as well. You see the deeper structures of the hand. The carpal tunnel is here. We can see the last two structures passing through the carpal tunnel. The flexor pulse is long as the tendon. And right here, the median nerve. Once again, you can see the first branch, the recurrent branch to the female helmets. And sensory branches out to the digits. There are also two small muscular branches which have been removed to the lateral two lumbar muscles. You can now see that when I pull on the flexor pulse as long as the tendon, the distal phalanx of the thumb flexes. Looking at the tendons of the deep flexor here, you can now easily see the lumbar muscles, one, two, three, and four, with their origins from the flexor tendons and insertions into the proximal phalanges of the fingers, as well as the extensive hood mechanisms, which we discussed earlier. You can also appreciate the synovial membranes that surround these tendons to allow for easy gliding of one upon the other. structures in the palm include the adductor pollicis muscle here and the interosseous muscles, three on the palmar side and four on the dorsal side, which adduct and abduct the fingers respectively. These are not easy to isolate from one another. by the purple string is the deep branch of the ulnar nerve, which branches from the main ulnar nerve more proximal in the area of the wrist.
This nerve will innervate not only the medial two lumbical muscles, but all seven interosseous muscles, as well as the adductor pollicis muscle, which you can see here with its two heads. Running beside the deep branch of the ulnar nerve is the deep palmar arterial arch, here marked by the pink string, coursing between the ulnar artery and the radial artery. Its main contribution is from the radial artery, which we saw earlier passing between the two heads of the first dorsal interosseous muscle. Reviewing the structures on the anterior aspect of the wrist, a flexor carpi radialis tendon, the flexor pollicis longus tendon passing through the carpal tunnel, and the large median nerve also passing through the tunnel. You can again see the divided thick flexor retinaculum and the flexor carpi ulnaris here. The ulnar nerve and the ulnar artery. Notice that the ulnar nerve and artery do not pass through the carpal tunnel. They travel superficial, lateral to the flexor carpi ulnaris tendon, where they are more prone to direct injury than is the median nerve. If we look more proximal on the ulnar nerve, we can see the dorsal branch of the ulnar nerve, which will pass through the dorsal medial aspect of the hand and provide sensory innervation to the fifth finger and the medial half of the fourth finger. Lying directly on the radius and ulnar and the intervening interosseous membrane is the pronated quadratus muscle. You can also see in the depths of the forearm here the anterior interosseous nerve, which is a branch of the median nerve, and the anterior interosseous artery, a branch of the ulnar artery traveling anterior to the interosseous membrane between the radius and ulna bones. Zooming in, we can see the extensor muscles to the thumb. Extensor pollicis brevis here, along with the abductor pollicis longus, the former going to the proximal phalanx, the latter going to the base of the first metacarpal bone. On the other side of the anatomical stuntbox is the extensor pollicis longus muscle, which inserts on the distal phalanx. The abductor pollicis longus and the extensor pollicis brevis are called the outcropping muscles. You can see them emerging from deep in the extensor forearm. Running alongside the brachioradialis, which inserts on the distal radius and does not cross the wrist joint, are the extensor copy radialis longus and brevis tendons. Their muscle bellies lie more proximal here.
again, you can see the radial artery traveling across the floor of the anatomical snuff box to pass between the two heads in the first dorsal neurosis muscle and feed the deep arterial arch on the palm aspect of the hand. Here we can see the extensive digitorum muscle with the four tendons to the four fingers passing deep to this extensor retinaculum, which holds all these tendons in place against the bones of the wrist on the dorsal side. There are two tendons to the index finger, a tendon from the extensor digitorum, and this here is the extensor indices, a muscle that lies deep in the forearm. This is the dorsal branch of the ulnar nerve, which we saw branching from the ulnar nerve proximal to the wrist. We can see its terminal branches here to the fifth finger and the medial side of the fourth finger. Looking at the extensive hood mechanism once again, you can see the tendons of the extensor indices and the extensor digitorum inserting into the extensor mechanism. With the central strip going to the middle phalanx, but not reaching the distal phalanx. There are fibers on either side which extend all the way to the distal phalanx and will result in full extension of the distal interphalangeal joint when the lumbical and interosseous muscles contract, pulling on the extensor hood mechanism. You can see the first lumbical muscle here, inserting right into the extensor hood mechanism, with lateral bands extending all the way to the distal phalanx. This muscle here is the adductor pollicis. Here is the first lumbical, and here is the first dorsal interosseous muscle, which also inserts into the hood mechanism. If you look at the proximal portion of the hood mechanism here, you will note that an extension is located over the head of the metacarpal bone here. When you flex the finger, you will notice that it moves distal to the metacarpal head. Now, when you contract the lumbar muscle, you will flex the metacarpal phalangeal joint. At the same time, it is extending the interphalangeal joints. Thus, the action of lumbar muscle is to flex the MP joint while at the same time extending the two interphalangeal joints.
farther than you know. That's all we're doing today, guys. See you on Monday.